We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good morning. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. We're coming to you early from Indianapolis on this holiday Monday. I uh, hope everybody enjoyed their weekend uh, and enjoy their day off today. Uh, we are going to talk about Indiana's uh, slight victory over Southern Illinois. It was a 48-47 uh, squeaker that had everybody on the edge of their seat and nervous. Uh, we're going to bring in TJ Inman, our co-host, and Nick Holmes, our other writer, who is at the game with me on Saturday. Uh, we'll talk what we liked, what we didn't like, uh, and, and what to expect next week. Uh, TJ, how are you? How is watching the game at home? I'm doing well, and it was uh, it was stressful. It was a, a much more stressful experience than than I think any of us anticipated this being. Um, but uh, yeah, there were there were quite a few uh, entertaining games on Saturday throughout the country, and and IU ended up being one of them. Yeah, we. I I didn't get to watch many of them. I didn't get home and probably until one o'clock on Saturday. It was a stressful IU game. Uh, as they were down by eleven points at halftime. Uh, the defense nearly gives up a touchdown on the first play, and Jonathan Crawford makes a, a great tackle to save the touchdown. Ends up blocking a kick on that drive. Uh, what are your initial impressions of uh, Indiana as a team? Uh, well, my initial impression, just starting the game, uh, finding out the news a little bit before kickoff that multiple players were suspended. Some of them we knew about ahead of time. Uh, some of them were a surprise to, to us. Um, so I, my initial impression was to get a complete gauge of what this team is going to look like, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. That's where most of the impact players uh, that were suspended were, were missing from. Um, and then once the once the game started, I, I think that I was uh, impressed with with IU's offense. It was really good to see Nate Sudfeld back on the field, uh, and it was really good to get a first glimpse of Jordan Howard and, and the kind of player that he can be for the Hoosiers over the next two seasons. Um, and then and you saw saw some. Some of the offense, uh, some of the struggles, I guess you could say, would be kind of the the slot receiver position. I'm still not entirely sold on Mitchell Page at that position. Not that he was bad on Saturday, but I think there are some question marks about about that position. Um, but I thought that uh, you know Ricky Jones looked like a breakout player that you know. Uh, credit to, to Nick Holmes. He got on that very, very early in camp and uh, and thought that Ricky Jones could have a really strong season, and, and it 
certainly lived up to to his expectations. I think exceeded them even. Uh, and then on the defensive side of the ball, like I said, it's hard to get a gauge of what that is. And we'll talk about this a little bit more with the guys that were suspended, guys like Ralph Green, Darius Latham, uh, and Tigray Scales, I think, is a really big one in the center of that defense. That's going to be any time that he's not playing, you're going to notice that right away, and we did. But I I am a little bit um, concerned, I think, would be the right way with how the defense looked in game one, particularly against the quarterback play of Mark Iannotti. You know, here's a guy that got benched for three games last season uh, with SIU, and IU really made him look like a Heisman candidate. Credit to him. He had a really nice game. Um ended up throwing for 411 yards, rushing for 106 yards. But uh, I think that my biggest concern coming out of game one is Indiana's inability to contain kind of those zone read keep inside zone read keepers in which Mark Gainati was keeping them, I'd say, 90% of the time. I didn't do the math when I went back and watched the game, but he was keeping those almost every time himself and just gashing Indiana right up the middle with runs of you know 10 yards, 15 yards, 20 yards. IU made some adjustments and, and did a better job against that in the second half. But when they did, his passing game took off. And like I said, he threw for 411 yards. So I think that those are kind of the things that jumped out initially was this kind of looks a whole lot like what we saw two years ago where the defense is terrible, the offense looks great, and it's either you win a shootout or you lose a shootout. And that's really concerning. But, you know, I think that we do need to emphasize that we do not know for sure what this defense is going to look like. A lot of young players that can improve a whole lot throughout the course of the season – um, and then you've got the suspended guys, we hope. We don't know for sure because Kevin Wilson said after the game uh, he was, I guess, very vague about whether or not all these guys would play in week two. But you know, we hope that when they come back it looks better. But I, my question to you, uh, you know, would be do you think that the players that are coming back can make a big enough difference. And I guess that that is kind of the theme that we're going to carry towards week two is, uh, is that defense really that bad or is there going to be a ton of improvement that we make? And we're not going to know that until week two, but what are your initial thoughts on that? Uh, My initial thoughts, uh, and and we'll bring in Nick here. Uh, He's on the line, but uh, we'll bring him in after, uh, after this. My initial thoughts are they're going to have to play well. Uh, there, there were a couple starters. Uh, they, they missed uh, their best players on each level. Now, Chase Jutra was out with the undisclosed injury. Um, we'll hopefully find out more today about that. Uh, fans at the game who uh, were texting me or DMing me uh, said he was walking with a, a noticeable limp uh, with a big uh, knee brace on, uh, and it did not look good. Uh, but, you know, you get Latham back. If you get Latham back, you get Green back, and you get Greg Gooch back. That should get, and you get T. Gray Scales back. That should give you some push on the off on the uh, defensive line. 
Uh, now you're starting a, a third stringer uh, on Saturday, and they just got no no push, um, and that that's the big concern. Um, you know, Iannotti played very well, but at times they brought in uh, Matt McIntosh, who was the backup quarterback. I think he was even third string at one point, and he was running for five, six, seven yards. So, I, you know, credit to Southern Illinois offensive line. Uh, they played very well. They were blowing the Darius Rayner off the ball four or five yards. I watched the game again last night. Uh, it, it just wasn't pretty. It wasn't a lack of energy. You know, the scheme might have been okay, not great. But anytime you're getting blown off the ball by the offensive line, they're going to get four, five, six yards every play. And, you know, it, it, it almost was a tale of two halves. They settled down there in the second half. They got a couple stops. Indiana got back in the game, put up 17 straight points. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, I was talking to several other writers, and, and this is a game a couple years ago IU loses. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and, uh, and uh, it's a game IU loses, and they got the W. And that's all that, uh, that really matters. And uh, right now, fans, you know, they didn't change the narrative. It's still same old IU, uh, except that they got the W. You know, you saw the student fans thin out there at halftime again. Uh, the crowd wasn't a great uh, – you know, the people who were there, it was a hot, muggy, gross day. So I understand why people stayed home in the air conditioning. Uh, but the crowd, I think the announced crowd was somewhere about 35,000, which means that there were probably 25,000. Uh, and, and it just – they. IU did themselves no favors. Um, Nick, what are your initial thoughts on the game as well? Uh, you guys are pretty spot on, but I think the first question I would have for for IU fans in particular is if you go back to 2006 and you go ahead and ask that team, say, hey, would you have liked to beat Southern Illinois by one point when they were one game short of bowl eligibility? I have a pretty good feeling they'd say, yeah, we would take it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a good good point to bring up is that that team that lost to Southern Illinois in 06, uh, you know, it's not like they went on to win only one game and go 1-11. You know, they ended up winning five games. So, uh, you know, the first game is not always indicative of the type of season you're going to end up having. Um, you know, I think that it's a really, really good point to bring up that the the takeaway from this game probably should be how you avoided disaster. Yes, and let me tell you, TJ, it would have been uh, Armageddon. We were all looking at each other at halftime, going, you know, what the heck is going on? Uh, And to go back to that 06 team, that team beat a top 15 team in Iowa. Uh, They won Mm -hmm. three total Big Ten games. They beat Michigan State and got this platoon back. Uh, And that's the last time we beat those, uh, they beat those guys. It's, you know, a win is a win is a win, and it's a a lot of it's a much different story if they lose. If they lose, um, the sky is falling. That that's what happens. But you know they pulled one out. They 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 got you know a, a drop at the end. Uh, the the missed extra point uh, by Southern Illinois proved costly uh, there. So yeah. you know you you, ex- you hope they exhale. They take it for what it is. They make improvements, and they and they move on to Florida International. Um, 
Now, going, going back to the offense, I thought Sudfeld played very well. Um, watching the game again last night, uh, you know, he was 19-32. He could have been a little bit more accurate with his passes. There are a couple passes that could have been picked off. Uh, there was one early right before the block punt uh, that could have gone for pick six. The guy just dropped it. Um, he, he was a little, I wouldn't say too aggressive because I don't want him to shy away from, from these things. But he tried to squeeze a ball in there that shouldn't have been uh, squeezed in there. Uh, there were a couple drops. Uh, you know, uh, I, I forgot who, but there was a drop that went off, of, I think, both Ricky Jones and Simi Cobb's hands and almost got intercepted. Uh, okay. the, the last In the fourth quarter, when they, IU settled for a field goal, uh, there was a fade to Cossaro in the, the right end, uh, corner of the end zone. And that ball could have been picked off. So he wasn't perfect, but he did throw for 349 yards. Uh, he did have a touchdown. He had a nice deep ball, nice touch on, on those deep balls to Ricky Jones. Uh, the receivers played well. Not as many drops as last year. You saw Simi Cobbs make an impact uh, with his, uh, with his uh, hands. He had three catches for 64 yards. Um, Mitchell Page had four catches for 32 yards. And Ricky Jones, again, uh, you know, six catches for 186 yards and a touchdown. Um, he could have had two touchdowns. He was wrestled down there at the one on that final IU drive. Uh, uh, you know, wh- what are your impressions of the receiving core right now? I, I thought that, uh, yeah, I thought that, I thought that Ricky Jones was phenomenal. Uh, I thought Simi Cobbs looked much better than last year. I think that his route running which we had heard was improved. I, I think that uh, he showed that off. Um, you know, I'd like to see him get a little bit more involved, uh, maybe take a couple deep shots to him, or at least let, give him a chance to stretch the field um, or a chance to, to use his height a little bit in the red zone. They never really did that. Um, I, I was a little bit surprised. Uh, that the tight end was not used more. I thought there were a couple of times where they ran some very nice play action, rolling Sutfeld out to the right and then released the tight end uh, on a little, you know, five, ten-yard out route uh, delay release that I thought was very effective on two different occasions, and we never really saw it again. Uh, it worked once for about 15 yards to Corsaro, uh, we we didn't really see that play used very much. I, I did not like the the fade route to Anthony Corsaro in the end zone. I thought that was a, a I don't know if that would be a poor play call or anything like that, but I, I did not like uh, Sudfeld attempting that pass. It, it was never really there. It was well defended, and it it almost cost IU uh, big time. Um, but I, overall, I think that the receivers had a much better day than we saw at any point last season. Um, there were not near as many drops. Like you mentioned, there was the one that nearly resulted in a pick, and there was one on a slant by Mitchell Page that was on a third and four, I think, um, that hit him in the numbers. It was a it was a bullet of a pass, but uh, I guess you could call that a drop as well. But I think it was an improvement over last season. Yeah, Nick, what did you see from the receivers that, you know, need to be improved or, or what you liked or didn't like? Uh, there were, I mean, like you both said, there's a lot to like about this group in comparison to last year. Um, just from, 
you know, an experience standpoint. Um, Ricky Jones is finally healthy, and Coach Wilson's been touting that that speed. Yeah, he doesn't have the size of what you would want as a as an outside boundary receiver, but that speed is something that he can use to take advantage of some of the slower defensive backs. I really want to see this against uh, a stronger uh, FBS team um, because it's not going to be as easy to get behind secondaries in the Big Ten. We all know that those guys just have just as much speed as your wide receivers. Um, I thought Nick Westbrook looked good in limited time. He saw he saw mm-hmm. a lot of action. Leon Thornton looked good. I mean, he didn't make any catches, but he also played on special teams. Those guys will come along over the next few weeks, and hopefully by the time Big Ten season rolls around, they'll be a little bit more comfortable in the roles. Um, there's a couple guys absent, absent from the group, um, whether it was Dominique Booth. I'm not really sure where – where he's at, I know that he dropped down the depth chart during the fall. Marky e. Hawkins was trying a hybrid role, we heard, maybe some running back, wide receiver. So it'll be interesting to see if he's able to contribute. But, yeah, I mean, overall, I was really impressed. Uh, Ricky Jones looks absolutely amazing. Um, basically, Sudfeld can just throw it up, and Ricky Jones can run under it and pretty much take it all the way, except for on that last one, then he got down to the one. So, yeah, I was – I was really impressed, and uh, I'm looking forward to the, the progress that they'll make over the, the coming weeks because someone needs to supplement those first three. Ricky had six um, receptions, then he had three, Mitchell had four, and then you had one catch by Cristoro, Cooper, Westbrook, and Booker, and then Howard had two. But you really need more out of the guys in that second group. Yeah, yeah I will say I was a little bit surprised that they did not – uh, did not give the ball receiving-wise to the running backs. Like you said, Howard with two. Redding didn't have any. I don't think he had any passes attempted to him. Um, and then the tight ends, you had Corsaro was one, Cooper was one. Uh, you know, Jordan Fuchs sat out this game. Um, I, was he part of the suspensions? or No, they no just he didn't wasn't. play him. I mean, they played okay, four tight yeah, ends, um, so yeah. so they got a lot yeah. of guys in there. I'm surprised they didn't play Fuchs. Um, I don't know the reason behind that. Maybe he was a little dinged up. Uh, but Wilson was very hush-hush on the injuries, especially to the one with Dutra. Um, other than that, you know, receiving-wise, yeah, they need some more guys uh, to get in there uh, and, and really supplement those guys. It was nice to see that they could survive uh, – with the, the limited wide receivers, uh, they, they played on such a hot day. When you think that cramping would be, you know, every other play somebody would go down with cramping, it didn't happen. So credit to both training staffs for getting these guys ready, uh, hydrated, uh, and healthy. Um, we're going to move to, to running back uh, where Indiana had to fill the big shoes of Tevin Coleman. Uh, I, think they did, I think they did a great job. Jordan Howard was very impressive. Uh, there are mixed reviews of him coming uh, at a training camp. Uh, he had 20 carries for 145 yards and three touchdowns. He had a long of 35, an average seven and a, 7.2 yards per carry. My biggest thing with him is that he did not get tackled for a loss. Uh, he had no negative yards uh, run, which will, uh, you know, make IU's offense a little bit more consistent. You know, instead of, having a, a boomer bust offense. Now they can get a couple first downs and maybe flip the field a little bit better. 
and, and wear down that defense and give IU's defense a little bit of a rest. I think Devon Redding filled in well. Uh, he did have, uh, you know, he lost 11 yards rushing, but he did have uh, 16 carries for 57 yards and two touchdowns. And he's the guy, you know, he didn't do so well on the edges. Um, there are a lot of plays where they tried to rush him outside where he's taken down for a loss. But anywhere between the tackles, the guy looks strong. So uh, we'll start with uh, you, TJ. What is your impression of the running game? I, I was very, very impressed with Jordan Howard. Like you said, there were some uh, some mixed reviews uh, coming out from him, but I, I, his talent at UAB was very obvious. It was just a matter of whether or not he would adjust uh, to IU's system and and uh, kind of the demands of the program. And I, I think that it's it's clear that he fits in very well uh, to this offensive scheme. Yeah, an average of 7.2 yards per carry, and I'd say that's pretty indicative of the numbers that he had, you know, the long of 35 was really nice. But like you said, what was most impressive was the consistency on his carries, just consistently churning out positive yardage, uh, whether or not there was great blocking on the play or not, which there usually was. The offensive line, as we talked about the running game, should be noted, was really good on Saturday. Sudfeld was, was rarely under pressure in the offensive line did a nice job of helping the Hoosiers to 246 rushing yards, an average of 5.9, which, uh, yeah, that's very solid. You'll take that every game. Um, Divine Redding, I thought, started out well. And then, you know, uh, he had a few few negative plays, which um, are are troublesome because it puts you behind the chains, uh, really throws throws off your offense. And one thing I did want to mention while we're talking about the running game, Nate Sutfeld with five carries for 46 yards. They did a nice job mixing in some zone read stuff that uh, I couldn't tell for sure whether or not those were designed to have Sutfeld keep the ball or if he made that call himself. But, uh, you know, 46 yards from Sutfeld, throw that into the running game. If he can do that, uh, while avoiding hits because he didn't take any hits on those runs either. He, he did it very intelligently. So I think if you can do that, the running game, we'll need to see it against a, a defense with some bigger defensive linemen. Uh, that's one area that IU was able to push SIU around a little bit was, was in their own running game. Um, I think if, if you can do similar numbers against FIU next week, then we'll have every reason to believe that they'll be able to keep it up uh, against the rest of the FBS schedule. I, I was impressed with uh, with Jordan Howard. Really, really good debut for him. Yeah, how about you, Nick? What, did, what did, uh, else did you take away from the running game? Well, like you guys said, um, Howard's just a consistent runner. I think we've all alluded to this since he, we picked him up. No, he's not a home run hitter like Tevin Coleman, but he's going to hit a lot of singles and doubles and occasionally break a triple out there. Um, the big, the big thing that I noted when we were when we were watching from the press box is at least on two occasions, maybe more, um, they went to a two tight end set, which resulted in a touchdown run, mm-hmm. which, which we had talked about a lot, you know, all this summer too. Is we have a lot of depth at tight end, or the Hoosiers have a lot of depth at tight end, and they ought to use two tight end sets if if it makes sense, and it did make sense, and they were able to um, utilize Cooper. Um, friend and Corsaro in a black, blocking tight end situation, 
and they were able to um, set that edge and uh, make it easy for Howard to make it around the end. Like you both said, Divine Redding had a had a good day as well. Um, they only played two two running backs. Um, Ricky Brookings got in on um, some kick returns, so I'm kind of interested to see as long as we can stay healthy back there, can we run with two all year? And I hope I hope that's the case. Yeah, yeah that's it, a really it, good point. The the red zone rushing um, was really really efficient for IU on Saturday. Uh, I'm not. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I know that uh, the red zone offense, when they handed off the ball, things went really, really well. So I'd expect for that to to be something they continue to try to succeed on uh, next Saturday against FIU because uh, they did a really good job of using those two tight end sets. That's a good point. You know, some people call it kind of jumbo packages, just bring in the big boys block up front, hand it off to Howard or Redding. Between the two, they had five rushing touchdowns. So that was a positive to see is uh, when IU gets close in, they're they're going to their strength, which is that offensive line and that running game and hammer at home. Yeah, the, uh, IU was 5-for-5 five five in the red zone uh, with four touchdowns. Last year, they, they you know only had 18 red zone touchdowns. So that's an encouraging sign uh, there. Uh, a note on that last play, uh, IU ran to get that touchdown, um, you know, with the, about a minute left. People were screaming about clock management and clock management this. Uh, taking a knee there is just dumb. Uh, Southern Illinois let them score. I watched it again last night. Uh, they just let them score. And, and we've seen it before. You know, you can't take seven points for granted. You're giving your defense a seven-point lead. You should expect them to hold it with 58 seconds left. Uh Luckily, they did, uh, but, you know, I, I can't kill Wilson for that. You've got to take the touchdown there. If you take a couple knees, run the ball, run the ball out. You know, Griffin Oaks, who was decent, he was good all day. Going back and watching it, uh, he was a little bit more shaky than I thought. He nearly missed an extra point uh, wide left. There was another short field goal that got tipped at the line uh, that snuck in there. So, you know, he had a, he had a good day, but – you know, it wasn't really as a lock as uh, it should be for him to get a field goal if he took two knees and, and ran the ball and tried to take that clock down and force them to take timeouts. Plus, Southern Illinois did have uh, a couple, at least a couple timeouts left. So, who knows? You know, if if you field goal and you give them 30 seconds uh, left, they might go down and score a touchdown and win the game. So, you know, I can't kill Wilson for that. He, he got the seven points. He put it up to his defense, and it came down to a two-point conversion. And, you know, the Southern Illinois guy dropped the ball, but uh, it looked like Andre Booker or Andre Brown uh, was there to make the stop. It would have been really close and probably would have been another review, uh, but that was good. Moving to special teams, uh, it was they, they were okay. Uh, um, they weren't great. They had a block punt that took a, a, a wicked bounce and stayed in the end zone for a touchdown. Um, mm-hmm. That was by Chase Allen, uh, the stud receiver or stud linebacker from uh, Southern Illinois. Uh, after that, you know they were okay. Um, you know, Toth averaged you know close to forty yards a kick. Uh, the net average though was only around twenty four point six, which isn't great. Um, he did knock a couple or one inside the 20. He had a couple that, uh, you know, they overkicked into the end zone. Uh, the kickoff return game needs to get something going. 
Uh, they used uh, Devontae Williams and Ricky Brookins back there. Um, but they, they they need all the extra yards that they can. I, I know it's Southern Illinois, but you got to you, you gotta get these. You saw Western Michigan uh, have a few big kickoffs uh, against Michigan State that kept them in the game. You have to, you know, take advantage of, 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 of these things like kickoff returns. Uh, Mitchell Page looked okay on – uh, on punt returns, he had one nice uh, 20-yard run where, you know, he made a few moves and, and got upfield. Uh, he did uh, catch uh, inside the 10 where it looked like it could could have gone over his head, maybe bounced into the end zone. Probably should have let that one go, but did catch the ball. He looks like he has solid hands back there, uh, which is what you want. But, you know, kickoffs, I thought Oaks is great. Uh, Nick and I were commenting on, man, he's got a huge leg kicking it out of the end zone. Um, you know, seven times he had seven touchbacks, which is, will will be great when you're playing a, a better opponent, uh, just to keep them from from big returns. So, uh, Nick, what, what else did you see on special teams that that we missed? Uh, the the first thing that uh, I just thought about was you know you're replacing your long snapper Matt Dooley, and that's that's a huge position to fill. And uh, looking back um, at some of the highlights the other day. I believe they used um, Dan Godsell as their long snapper on punts, and they used Josh Perrick as the long snapper on extra points and field goals. I have to go back and watch all those plays. But there were no mishaps, which, you know, those were both of those guys' first times in the game. And I think that, you know, that says a lot about their ability and um, just the coaching of special teams. So I was pretty pleased with what we had there. And, and additionally, like you said, you'd like a little bit more out of your return game. Um, Oaks look great on kickoffs. So, yeah, that's, that's basically my my recap of what I saw. All right. And we're going to wrap up the show uh, by saying this. They got the win. Uh, that's all that counts. You, you hope that uh, these suspended guys have figured their stuff out. Uh, you know, whether it was not going to class or whether it was drugs or alcohol-related, um, you know, that that question was asked in the press box and or in the press conference, and, and Fred Glass, who was at the press conference as well, uh, kind of laughed at it or, you know, uh, snarked at it a little bit. But that's a fair question. You know, Wilson brought it up, and, and if you don't want to talk about it, don't bring it up. Um, and, and hopefully these guys have – have got their priorities straight. And if they don't want to take Indiana football seriously, they could, uh, you know, they'll, they'll sit out again and, and hurt their teammates. Uh, so hopefully they come back, uh, provide the impact on defense that they need, provide the push that they need. Um, you'll, we'll find out hopefully today about Chase Dutra. Um, I've got a gut feeling that it's not good, uh, but you know, I'm not a doctor. Uh, so uh, we'll see. Uh, other than that, you know, you just have to hope they improve. They got W and, and on to the next game, as uh, Bill Belichick would say. Uh, we're on to FIU, uh, and, and we'll have our uh, we'll have our pregame show uh, coming up on on uh, Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, it'll be a game time decision. Uh, so hopefully Nick and uh, TJ will join us, guys. Uh, thanks for coming on at such an early time. Uh, we'll be down in Bloomington uh, today to go over Coach's press conference and talk with some of the players. Uh, thanks for jumping on. Yes, absolutely. We'll have uh, we'll have either 
this evening or tomorrow. We're going to have uh, kind of a Big Ten or IU opponent uh, recap so that uh, you guys, anyone that was unable to watch any of the games can can check on that. And I'll have uh, kind of just observations and, and notes from some of the other Big Ten teams, which for the most part uh, were pretty impressive. There were a couple of couple of poor performances, but for the most part, I think that most of the Big Ten teams uh, have had a, a good week so far. Ohio State on Monday night, so that'll that'll finish off the first week. We'll have that, and then, like you said, we'll move on on to the Golden Panthers. It should be a very interesting week two. One guy I did want to point out, because uh, I think he deserves it, is Jonathan Crawford. Uh, we didn't mention him yet, but he had a really, really good debut week, and uh, he has an exciting future. Uh, besides that, uh, it, it was just good to get the win, like you said. So we'll look forward to week two, and uh, Hoosier Huddle will have everything you need for that. So so stay tuned to us, and thanks a lot, guys. Thank yeah, you, thanks TJ. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, thanks guys. Uh, got, uh, fans, don't forget, check out Hoosier Huddle uh, for all the last week's coverage. Uh, we do have a photo gallery up from uh, from Saturday, uh, thanks to Camp uh Koning, uh, it was a great photo gallery. We're pumped to have him aboard. Uh, he did a great job. So check that out. Uh, we'll start breaking down uh, FIU as soon as tomorrow. And have a great holiday Monday. Uh, don't Get some rest and watch Ohio State tonight. Have a great day. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, 
than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard, BMW, the ultimate driving machine. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Comfortable. 